I'm Dan Joseph. You're listening to the Dan Joseph's America podcast. As a rule, this time around, I've avoided the GOP primary for a few reasons. I I don't like the debates. I haven't really watched any of them. I think when you reach a certain level of political knowledge, you can tell the difference between a talking point and a real policy position. I don't like the attacks that the candidates level against each other. I really don't. It's mean. It's it's it doesn't it doesn't do anything productive. It's not a, a, a it's it's not making a difference. It's for show. Uh, somebody like Vivek Ramaswamy was very annoying. Some of these candidates are extremely annoying. Uh, plus, in this particular primary, it has always been a long shot that someone was going to be able to catch Trump. Now, Nikki Haley. Uh, may have a chance at this point. I don't know. She may be able to catch him, in, at least in New Hampshire. She's, she was already closing the gap. Uh, Chris Christie dropped out yesterday. I would imagine that a sizable portion of his votes are going to Haley. They certainly aren't going to Trump. And, you know, DeSantis might not even be the race by New Hampshire. But the debates, particularly, I've avoided until last night. Now, last night... Nikki Haley and Ron DeSantis went one-on-one on CNN, and it was a slugfest. Now, these are two talented politicians. They know all their talking points. It's actually really impressive the amount of things that they've memorized. They landed punches. They were articulate. This wasn't Biden versus Trump in 2020. This was this were, These were two smart politicians in their prime. But if you listen to what they were saying, None of it matters in terms of the job they would do as president. It's all, well, he voted for this and she voted for that and he loves China and she does whatever her donors tell her to do. In fact, Nikki Haley repeatedly referred people to her website, the new website, DeSantisLies.com. That's what it's called. It doesn't get much more straightforward than that. I, I thought that was a mistake for Haley. She has momentum. She will need some DeSantis voters to win in New Hampshire. And and since when did voters care about honesty? I, I, I really don't think they do anymore. But I thought it cheapened the debate. It was a stunt. And as a politically sophisticated person, I watched this and I'm like, are people actually buying what these two are selling? Is, is this the kind of stuff that people base their voting decisions on? I mean, Trump in the 2016 debates, anybody can tell you he was clearly, clearly the least knowledgeable and the least articulate person on that stage. And he still won. Maybe not won the debates, but he certainly won the nomination. So so, so maybe I'm underestimating people here, but there, there must be something to it. Because the other thing about this is that these candidates have test groups focus groups. They have the science that tells them what kinds of talking points are effective. That's what they use. But I thought Nikki Haley went a bit overboard last night with the website. I think she needs to scale it back. And she has been getting criticism from both sides today. There's some debates that have gone down in history as being very important in elections. Reagan in 1980 with Carter, that was the famous there you go again, Mr. President. Uh, again, with Mondale in 84, the remark about Mondale's age and experience. George H.W. Bush famously looked at his watch in 1992. You had 
Al Gore was acted like very weird and creepy in 2000. I would argue that Trump's bad performance in 2020 against Biden could have been a deciding factor. But usually the debates are forgotten, right? Sometimes they can be informative, though. Rarely. The debate between Dick Cheney and Joe Lieberman in 04, that was the most sub- substantive debate I have ever watched. Because both candidates were great, mostly stuck to the issues. It, I mean, if you ever have a chance and you're a political nerd like me, go check it out. Sadly, in this era, they're not that impressive. I don't like talking points. A talking point is a phrase or piece of information that a politician or political operative says over and over again, trying to drill it into people's minds. For example, the Democrats want the rich to pay their fair share. Republicans keep saying these days, every town is a border town, right? Those are examples of talking points, and they've become staples these days. But the debates are pretty much all talking points. And that's what the debate last night was. I, I did watch I, – I, I like both of these candidates, but I wasn't particularly impressed with either one in this particular circumstance. At this point, I feel like DeSantis would be the better administrator if he were president. I think he would be better in terms of the ability to unite the party and get things done. But Haley, I think, would be better in terms of putting a more – amiable face on the party, a more moderate face on the party that could appeal to the groups that the GOP needs to win. For instance, college-educated women, uh, Hispanics, independents. But basically, DeSantis and Haley, 95% of their policies are the same when it comes right down to it. If you think Ron DeSantis is just going to abandon Ukraine, I think that's wrong. If you think Nikki Haley is going to take us to war for no good reason and just do whatever her donor said, I think you're buying into someone else's talking points and not really looking at what they do. It's political theater. Now, there was some other political theater on Wednesday. Uh, Hunter Biden walked into a committee hearing (laughs) on him and sat in the audience. And the Republicans absolutely freaked out. I mean, they were apoplectic, which I think was kind of the goal of Hunter Biden. And obviously, Joe Biden knew that Hunter Biden was going to do this. This was carefully planned beforehand. But but that's what politics has become. It's become about theater. It's become about stunts. The debates have become about vicious attacks and one-liners. And because of this, we're really not getting the policy information or discussing real policy as much anymore. And and I'm not I'm not blaming one side. Both sides have made it this way. On the right right now, I'm telling you, it's not about policy at all. It's about owning the other side. It's about loyalty to Trump. It's about who can hurl the best insults, who can embarrass who. And on the left, it's always sort of been about the theater, the protests, the marches, the activism. What? what I, I, I don't know. What benefit do those things serve? The other day, anti-Israel protesters blocked traffic on a busy highway for hours. Why? To convince people that they're right? To draw more attention to a topic they care about? No. No, no, no. It's for themselves. It's to make them feel like they're doing something, to to show the world they care. It's about people watching it on the news going, man, those people are crazy. But it's not going to change anything. 
I mean, if anything, I would assume blocking traffic makes people less likely to become sympathetic to your cause. But it's performance art. What I would like when it comes to politics is a populace that's informed, an informed citizenry. I want people who understand the issues, at least on a base level, and who can see through politicians who are playing on their emotions and just repeating words. And and the fact that most people aren't going to check a politician, they aren't going to do their more research on on what they're saying, I, I think that hurts. And, And yes, I understand most people don't have time to do that stuff. But the more we know, the less we get caught up in the performative stuff, the Marjorie Taylor Greene garbage. And if we're voting that way, if we're voting for candidates who avoid those things, the more efficient our government will be and the better our leaders will be. But they have their focus groups. Their focus groups are telling you, you got to do this, you got to do this, and it's ruining a lot, of, a lot of what was once great about politics. I'm so sick of politicians telling people what they want to hear rather than what they need to hear. And I hate to keep going back to Trump, but he's a great example of this. Trump doesn't have any original ideas. What he does is he sees where the conservative base is, and then he goes there. He repeats what they're saying on talk radio and on the right-wing cable news channels. It's not the other way around. It's not Trump is saying something and then the the cable news channels echo it. If you watch Fox News and you see what the pundits are saying there, you can be sure that Trump is watching and he will start repeating what they're saying eventually if he thinks it works, word for word. Because he understands that right now in politics, people are tuning out the other side. They're tuning out opposing views and they're going to media outlets and politicians that reassure them by repeating the things they believe. It's uh, it's actually called confirmation bias. And I'm guilty of this too. I'll tell you. When I started getting serious about politics, I watched Hannity. I listened to Rush. I watched O'Reilly. I got my talking points from them. I repeated them. And then, look, I'm not saying they're not smart people, but they know what they're doing. They know how to get the ratings. I didn't necessarily analyze what they were saying or say, hmm, you know, the other side might have a point here, too. I was partisan. I sh- I've changed a lot since then. But I fall into the trap every once in a while as well. Media in particular has made it easy to be partisan, easy to be ideologically rigid. The, the talking points and spin are all prepackaged for you in the nightly opinion news shows. And it's, I don't think it's particularly healthy. Um, as far as the debates go, I, look, I, I think I'll watch, if, if Haley ends up debating Trump, I'll probably watch that one. But I don't think I'll watch the final debate if it's between Biden and Trump. I, I mean, they, 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 the, these debates, those debates might not happen because if I was Biden, I wouldn't want to have to deal with Trump's ridiculousness and personal attacks. Uh, plus, I don't think Biden would show well at this point in the debate. His age makes it much harder for him to remain sharp and sound sharp. But if they did debate, what would we get? What what would we get out of it as political observers and as voters? What would be the payoff? If you're into cringy moments, that might entertain you. I'm not. I don't know why this is, but I tend to feel bad for politicians when they embarrass themselves and uh, make mistakes before a national audience. I take no joy in that. I try to put myself in their shoes of being on stage or something and, and making an embarrassing error. 
I rarely learn anything of value from the debates. Plus, you can watch the highlights later if you want to, if you if you want to see if anything important happened. Now, look, I don't want to appear too cynical here, and maybe I'm too late for that, right? But I don't think this upcoming election is going to be fun for anyone. We are, we're too angry. We're too trapped in our own media bubbles, not thoughtful enough. But that can change, I think. If there is a candidate of substance who is capable of articulating policy in a way that people understand. Reagan was great at this. Clinton was was really good at it, too, on the Democratic side. Trump and Biden are terrible at it. And last night, DeSantis and Haley just didn't seem to care. They just wanted to slug it out by attacking the other person and bragging about the things they've done. I get nothing out of that except the ability to talk about it on the podcast later on. I'm Dan Joseph. You've been listening to the Dan Joseph's America podcast. Check out my YouTube page today, Dan Joseph 78. There's a new video up there. It's about DEI, diversity, equity, and inclusion. If you are wondering, I'm not a fan. I'll be back tomorrow.